Today's episode of the First Time Bible Teacher Podcast is part of the Good Lion Podcast Network. If you haven't yet, make sure you head over to goodlion.io. There are tons of great podcasts that are there waiting for you to learn about, experience, and hopefully grow from. Beyond that, we also have articles that are on the Good Lion website. There's one that actually came out today that I wrote on the need for gentleness in a culture of outrage. So it won't yell at you, I promise. It'll be much more gentle than that. Uh, There's tons of other great articles. We had one last week that was written by a young mom just honestly exploring what it's like to step into that stage of life. It's something I definitely couldn't have written, so we're really glad that's there. We have some great stuff from our founder, Aaron Salvato, from tons of other great writers. Make sure you head over to goodlion.io. This episode is going to be posted there. But if you're listening to this, you've already found that episode. So maybe you found it through Good Lion and you're already doing what I asked you to do. Good job, team. I knew we could do this. Here's Comtruse. Welcome to another episode of the First Time Bible Teacher Podcast, a podcast designed to help you learn to teach the Bible, starting with the very basics. Today's episode is about preaching to the culture. Christians can be accused of being in their own little bubble, and we want to make sure that isn't true of our teaching. This episode discusses how we should engage with the culture and preach Jesus to people who are far from him. Let's dive in. There's a lot of talk in churches today about what it means to deal with culture. We talk about cultural engagement. We talk about being culturally relevant. We talk about uh, the need to understand and work with our culture. And that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Sometimes it just means you're pulling in movie quotes or you're playing video clips in the middle of your teachings. Sometimes it means that you want to just step outside the walls of your church and do a little bit more to talk with people who are not currently part of your church group. Uh, Maybe some of it is you're looking to find methods that hit the people of your particular area. All of these things are great things. The one thing that I think we cannot do is ignore the culture. First, we can't ignore the power that culture has. Just the society that anyone lives in. You learn so much just from the standards and norms of the people around you. And this isn't even just in the world in general. This is within the church. One of the things I think we fail to recognize is how much we are learning from the society around us all the time. We are learning so many different things from, you know, and and this is going to sound so like cliche or whatever, but like we're learning things from social media, from movies, from all the different things that we're consuming. Uh, We're just learning so many things about how we should live and who we should be. And we're getting these narratives shared with us in ways that we don't always recognize what the narrative is saying. So culture is this powerful thing. And one of the amazing things is the Bible is not anti-culture. One of the cool things about scripture to me is that it sits within cultures. You know, the writers of scripture, they take their cultural ideas and use them as ways to share God's truth. They take bigger concepts and principles that God wants us to follow uh, and walk in, 
and sets them right within particular cultures. And that's one of the great tasks that we have today as Bible teachers. We're not here just to talk about the Bible in this isolated vacuum that's far away. We're meant to bring it right into culture and right into what's going on. And, you know, our culture is way different from biblical culture. There are all sorts of different things that we see in the Bible that kind of make the the 2019 American in me kind of stand up and go, well, wait a second, how come they're, you know, talking about a woman like that? How come they're, you know, so okay with these institutions? Like, it, there's all sorts of different things that are different about the culture of today and the culture of the Bible. But what is important and what is the same is that the Bible doesn't ignore culture and neither should we in our teaching. You know, the Bible leverages culture. The Bible finds what's going on in a certain society and uses it to teach the people of that society. It it looks for the bigger questions groups of people are asking and says, here is how Jesus is the greater answer. So I think one of the things we need to understand and think through is that we are following God's example. We should be teaching in a way that matters to our culture, that answers some of the questions that our culture has, and that leads them to Jesus. That is kind of the outline this whole episode is going to follow. So please don't stop listening now. I have like 15 more minutes, I think. We'll, we'll find out if that number was right at the end. So the first thing I'm looking to do is let's start talking through ways that we can understand our own culture. So one of the helpful devices I have found uh, for figuring out how to interpret a culture in a way where you will be able to answer how does the Bible respond to this culture is to think of it like this. Cultures Uh, It's very similar to worldviews. Cultures and worldviews are trying to answer similar questions. All of them have to deal with certain questions. And in culture, you're answering the question of who are we, why do we matter, and what is the greatest good? So who are we? What what is our group of people? Uh, What are the things that identify us? What are the things that make us unique? Uh, then why do we matter? What is it about this identity that gives it value? What is it about this identity that makes us say, yes, we want to be this thing because it helps us accomplish X, Y, and Z? And then what is the greatest good? Which normally all three of these answers sort of go together. Um, You know, what is it that I am trying to accomplish by being this person and by mattering in this way. If those two things are true, then it will lead to, so then I should do this one thing. Uh, I'm focusing on American culture just because that's where I am. And for the most part, I think that's where you are, listeners. If you're not, let me know. That'd be great. I'll talk about some other culture that I have no experience in, but I'll talk about it. It'll be fun. Uh, Our American culture is no different. It is trying to answer these questions. And one of the biggest things that I think matters a ton in our preaching is that American culture is extremely individualistic. It is extremely individualistic. We are not necessarily thinking a ton about the bigger group that we are. 
the answer to the question in America of who am I? It's whoever the heck I want to be. I define myself. Like I will do the thing that I want to do. And this is true across the board in America. Just in so many places, you have people saying, I will define myself either by the work I do or by the art that I produce or by some activity that really gives me value and significance, all sorts of different ways. However you want to cut it, it's there's a lot of division between who my people have been before me and who I will be today. Like that's just kind of what we're dealing with. People who are saying, I want to be whoever I want to be, and I am going to define good and bad for myself. And so why do I matter then is sometimes a tougher question to answer for some people. Uh, when you get to kind of like that young adult group that I, I get to do a lot of really fun ministry with, um, that question of why do I matter sometimes doesn't feel like it's answered. Um, a lot of times it feels like it's answered in competition with other people. Uh, I matter because I am better at graphic design than other graphic designers, something like that. I matter because the art that I am producing uh, is significant and meaningful and really good. Uh, I matter because I can help your business do blah, 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 you know, whatever the thing is. I matter because of a thing that I accomplish. Uh, it's not so often, I think, that we find I matter just because deep down I am important. It normally seems like it's coming from I matter because I can do this thing, I can provide this service, I have accomplished these different things. Uh, so that's what makes me important and significant and meaningful. And you should care about the things that I'm doing too. What then is the greatest good? Oftentimes it's self-promotion. You know, when we think about the way social media works, when you think about even, you know, pointing at myself for a second, when you think about the Instagram messages that I may have sent one of you, and that may be why you're listening to this podcast right now. Uh, we're fine with accepting that people need to self-promote. We kind of hate that it's happening when other people are doing it, um, oftentimes because they're getting in the way of our own self-promotion. But even if it's not for a podcast or uh, an Instagram account or whatever, just promoting the way that my life looks is one of my greatest goods. I show people that I line up with what they hope for in a certain kind of lifestyle. Everything runs through. It's not who do I belong to, what group am I a part of. It's do I measure up in a lot of ways in American culture. It leads to, to some degree, a very non-committal society because I don't want to let you define me. I want to define me my own way. I want to define myself and not get caught up in promoting your thing because that'll get in the way of me promoting my thing. And it we see it all the time where just trying to get people to commit in church serving is very difficult today. I mean, I, I've only ever done ministry in the last seven years, but I, I really get the sense from people who have been doing it longer, it's harder to get those commitments today. And part of it is because of how individualistic our society is. I don't want to be tied down to your thing. I want to be free to do my thing. And it leads 
to this place where everyone is isolated and everyone is doing their own thing. I was recently reading through the book of Judges in my own devotions, uh, in my own just personal reading time uh, over the last few weeks, and hearing that phrase again and again, you know, there was no king, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And that's exactly what we're doing today. So there's a thousand terrible things that we could say about culture. There's a thousand beautiful things that we could say about our culture. But it's much easier, I think, to focus on the negatives that's just always true in life, which is why it's so important to ask ourselves, so what is our role within the culture? Well, first thing, our role is not just to be mad at the culture. It is not our job to just be upset at the things that culture is doing wrong. One of the things that blows me away about the Apostle Paul is he would go around to all these different places where they were messed up people, where they were super in sin, where they were totally lost and wicked and evil. And instead of just going around and yelling at them and being mad at them, he finds common ground with them. He he did not view it as his role to just tell the culture how bad they were. And it's very easy for us to just hate on all of culture, you know, to bring up a movie just so we can make fun of it, to bring up a political decision because we're against it, to bring up some kind of divisive hot button issue so that we can talk about how we are on the right side of it and all those other people are incorrect. You know, people won't listen to us if they already believe we're just going to be against them. If they believe that our Bible teaching is we are going to point out the things we do not like about the culture, then why would anyone from that culture want to come and listen to you if all you're going to do is be against them? Now, I'm not saying we lighten up on truth. I am saying we make sure our tactic isn't just here's what I don't like about culture. We are called to point out the culture's issues, but there's a big difference between you're doing that thing and I hate that thing versus many people are caught up in that thing and the dangerous thing is that thing is going to fail them at some point. So if we think about the culture in terms of teaching narratives and, and telling stories to us, one of the things we can do, our role within the culture, I believe, is to point out where the story falls short. Where does the story have a massive plot hole in it? So as we're telling ourselves we can define our own selves, we are meant to just look out for number one, and that is me, and my greatest good is self-promotion. We're here to lovingly come alongside and say, but what about when someone's actually more talented than you? And what about when someone uh, doesn't care about your thing? Do they not matter because they don't care? We're here to just point out those different things. You know, we're called to show people that there is a better narrative to live by. You know, Jesus doesn't just offer us a whole different thing that is anti-culture. He offers us a greater life than the culture around us does and calls us to show that to our culture. He calls us to show people, here is how you can be part 
of a different narrative, which one of the amazing things is so many people today are looking for a different narrative. They're looking for something that's going to help them see a new way of living. Everyone is looking for some revolutionary concept. Jesus offers a revolutionary concept. He pulls you out of whatever culture you're in and makes you a citizen and a member of the culture of the kingdom of God. That's an incredible thing that we get to offer people. So it's not just your thing is bad. It's this other thing is greater. And you need to do some pointing out of the bad of a culture before they're going to want a different culture. But there has to be, for lack of a better term, selling the better thing. You know, when a salesman comes to you, they don't just look at your phone and say, well, your phone is stupid. Like, why why would you want that phone? They try to tell you why the phone they're selling you is better. You know, when you think about, um, think of companies that just do really well with advertising. Think about Apple. You know, Apple does not sit there and tell you our laptop has more processing speed. They tell you it's part of this certain culture of people that is greater than another culture you could be a part of. And it makes people flock to their products. Well, to some degree, we need to take on that same kind of strategy. Not that we want to become salesmen of Jesus, but we want to show people, hey, it's not just, you know, this has the best tech specs. It's rather following Jesus makes us part of this incredible, amazing culture that Jesus set out for us on the Sermon on the Mount. Don't you want to come be a part of that? It answers more questions than your current culture does. That is our role within the culture. So how do we practically work that into our teachings? Well, first, when you're teaching, help people see the biblical culture wherever you can. And what I mean by this is as you're diving into Bible stories and as you're diving into moments in Jesus's life or Old Testament accounts and narratives, as you're one of the things we need to do in Bible teaching is show people the way the Bible is at work within the culture it's written in. So don't ignore that element. It, it's helpful sometimes to ask people to live in that moment. And, you know, imagine if you were in this position at that particular time, that can be really helpful, but it can ignore the fact that we're 2000 years removed, sometimes more from when that particular part of the Bible was written. So try to do the research, jump back to that culture a little bit, read a few commentaries, um, do some research and digging, figure out exactly what was culturally meant by certain things. Like I think about the example of the book of Ruth when Boaz goes to uh, the, the guy who's closer in line to marry Ruth than he is and they have this exchange and it, the exchange ends with the other guy saying, you know what, Boaz, you can marry Ruth. I don't want to be part of that. Um, and here's my sandal. Like we do not close business deals that way, but your shoes were to some degree a symbol of authority. You know, think about when Moses goes and speaks with God in the burning bush. The first thing he's told is take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. The idea is take off your shoes. You are not the authority here. I am. And when Boaz's, you know, relative gives over the sandal, he's saying you are now the one with authority. That speaks a very different thing than me giving you my shoe today. Like that just does a totally different thing. And when you help people see the way the culture was working back then, 
you help them see the enduring principles, not just the particular actions. So dive into biblical culture. It's an amazing study, and it is so worth it. Thinking more about today, and this is something I kind of brought up a little bit, show how Jesus answers the modern longings. So I remember when I was in high school, I was really set on going to Bible college. I knew I wanted to be in ministry. Uh, In our church network, there are Bible colleges in a few different places. And I just figured that would be amazing. I want to go to that school. I want to kind of remain in that youth group environment. I want to learn more about scripture. Like this will be good for me to kind of pull back from the world and to really fully engage with scripture. And I was talking to one of the pastors about this and he said, you know what? You don't need that experience. And I was like, do you mean I need less of the Bible? Like I was very confused. I was very thrown off by that answer. And what he was saying was you should go to a regular four-year secular college because you need to learn what people your age are thinking. And it was such an incredible experience. Like for a bunch of different reasons, I ended up not going to Bible college and I went to, you know, a community college in my area and then I went to a four-year college in my area after that. And it was amazing watching people that are going to be part of my culture and are still a part of my culture growing up thinking through what they really want out of life. And I got to see some of the things that they care about, some of the things that they want out of life. You know, I got to watch individualism happen. And for that, I can begin to show people, look, you try to save yourself in all these different areas, but you will always fall short. You always feel like you're not enough. Only Jesus can save you. You know, you can show people you have this heart longing and here's how Jesus is the answer for that. You know, we think about the way that our civil discourse is extremely contentious and divided, and it's just headlines on both sides. Well, we get to say that Jesus lovingly speaks to his enemies. And in fact, instead of shouting across the aisle at us, he gently walked over to us and he laid his life down so that we could be welcomed with him. When we think about uh, one of the things I think we even see in the younger generation is the idea of being globally conscious matters. You know, I think about different, you know, news outlets and I think about different things that younger people are flocking to. There's, there's something that makes you feel smart and superior about what's going, knowing what's going on, like in Brazil or whatever. Like, I don't really know what's going on in Brazil, but there's something that makes, we want to have that global awareness. Well, Jesus is best for all people. You know, we can see here's a thing that you want, and here's how Jesus is the answer for that want. So think in that way when it comes to your teaching. That means to some degree when there's people that are aiming to be relevant, and it's good to bring in modern stuff. You know, it's good to bring in references that hit your people today. You know, if, if you're trying to illustrate a point in a teaching Jumping back to some obscure movie from, you know, 1940, whatever, is obviously not going to hit as well as if you used a quote from A Star is Born or something that's modern and 
you know, is in our time period. The, the more modern your reference can be, the more likely it is to land with people. And because it lands with people, it helps them see your point a little bit more clearly and helps them see how you care for them. It helps them see that you're a person who understands what's going on today. And that's a good thing to be able to do. It's not just about being relevant. It's better that you don't use references you don't fully understand. But it is helpful if you can use references that you know your audience will understand. And the last thing I'll say for this episode is this. Speak in a way that any non-believer would understand. I feel like this is something I'm saying every episode at this point, but I believe in it and I care about it. It's important that we cut out these Christian phrases. You know, it's important that as we, one of the things I've really been thinking about this with is worship songs. There's so many worship songs that just create their own Christian type language. You know, that don't speak in a way anyone in culture would speak about anything, and they just become this new form of Christianese. And we need to be careful about that. You know, define your terms at every corner. Every time you're bringing up a term that you think could be misunderstood, it probably will be misunderstood. Define it anyway. I know there are times in my teachings, I'll define jealousy. I'll define envy. I'll define, you know, definitely I'll define sin. Like any of these terms are worthy of defining to make sure everyone stays on the same level. You know, be as entry level as you can. One of the things that I think we're seeing is people are less likely to have done the deep dive on their own. You know, when you're preaching the Bible, it's easy to assume your audience is as well studied as you are. And that just often is not true, or that your audience is as convinced of scripture as you are. And that just isn't always true. You know, you always want to preach thinking, what if there's someone in here that knows nothing about this? They showed up for the first time, or they've just never been reading the Bible on their own, and they need someone to not push them aside. They need someone to welcome them in. Well, you help welcome those people in by speaking as simply as you can. Ultimately, our goal is very simple. We want as many people to walk free from the lies of culture, from the enemy, from from wherever. We want people to live free of lies and walk in the truth of Jesus Christ. When you step into the narratives of lie that they've been hearing and listening to and living within, when you step into those to show there's a better way forward, people are more likely to follow Jesus if you're willing to meet them at the cultural point where they're at. Thank you for listening to another episode of the First Time Bible Teacher Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe to the feed, share it with your friends, let people know. We want to see as many people blessed by this content as possible. There's plenty of more content to be blessed by at goodlion.io. Tons of great podcasts and articles and all sorts of really fun stuff there. Uh, You can follow at goodlion.io on Instagram and stay up to date on all the new things that are being posted there. You can also follow First Time Bible Teacher on Instagram at 
first time Bible teacher for episode art, video clips, some shareable links, and all sorts of different things to help you stay up to date with this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. May God bless you in your teaching. We'll see you next time.